I wonder this morning if you are where you expected to be. Are you sitting in the spot you expected to sit in when you walked in? Are you living in the town you expected to live in 10 years ago? Are you working the job or retired from the job you expected to be 15 years ago? A lot of times, things don't go as planned. Have you noticed that? I know that painfully well. I'm a Cubs fan. It helps your faith, just not your fandom. I mean, things don't always go as planned. Sometimes what you plan to do, you're not able to do. Sometimes where you plan to go, you're not able to go. And on and on the list can go. Now, when it's a team we root for, when it's a meal we expected to eat, when it's a house we hope to live in, okay. But when somebody we expected to be with is no longer there, that's a different story. When the health we expected to have evaporates, that's a different story. Not everything goes as planned. This morning what we're looking at, the scripture we're examining is in the Old Testament in the book of Daniel. Daniel's right after Ezekiel, right before Hosea. Open it up, get in the middle and go to the right a little bit. But in the middle of this book, this book that Daniel gives a story of, because a lot of it's about him, but it was also about some of his buddies, because you see, Daniel and several others were taken captive, and they ended up where they didn't expect to be. I mean, who expects to be taken captive? But Daniel and his three buddies, especially, we generally referred to them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but that was actually the name given to them after they were put into captivity. That's not what their mama named them. They didn't expect to hear those names. They didn't expect to be where they were. And when they were first taken, they were put in jail. They were trying to sort out which of these, because there were many others that were taken also, which of these is going to make it and which isn't. No pressure. This was a strange country with strange language and strange customs, including strange food. And at first, in fact, Daniel stood up for he and his buddies and said, uh, this isn't the kind of food that we're supposed to eat. This isn't the kind of beverage we're supposed to drink and said, we'd like to have something different. And They didn't want to do that and they gave them a test and they came out looking better than all the rest. So they let them do it and took note that it had to do with their God. 
And then there were several more times of testing and Daniel was elevated to a high place. And so were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We often forget that they were put in positions of authority as well. And every time one of these situations happened, uh, the king, the pharaoh, the leader of the country went, wow, your God is awesome. We should all follow your God. But then he would kind of forget about it. And Daniel chapter 3 is one of those moments where the king got caught up in himself and the false flattery of others. In fact, at the beginning of the chapter, it says that King Nebuchadnezzar, that's just a fun name to say, Nebuchadnezzar, had an image of himself built. Only he thought a lot of himself because, according to Scripture, he had it built nine feet high and five or six feet wide. That's a big image. And it was made of gold. That's a lot of bling. And then he ordered everyone that when the pep band, the worship band, struck up the music, just read the description of all the instruments that are here. You all understand. That everybody was supposed to turn toward that statue, that image of him, and bow down and worship his image. And in that moment we really find out about the character of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Look with me. Daniel chapter 3, beginning at verse 12, we have some tattletales. Anybody ever remember a tattletale in school? Don't point, just remember. Well, there were some here as well. And in verse 12, they came to the king and they said there are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon Shadrach Meshach and Abednego these men O king pay no attention to you they do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up then Nebuchadnezzar in furious rage commanded that Shadrach Meshach and Abednego be brought so they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music, I told you it was a whole band, to fall down and worship the image I have made well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, with everyone watching, in the shadow of this nine-foot golden image of the king. They said, O Nebuchadnezzar, 
we have no need to answer you on this matter. If this be, can you imagine there was just this collective gasp among everybody standing around there when they said that to the king? Said, if this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. That's some faith. That's some courage. But this next verse is even more powerful. Because they've said our God is able to deliver us. That's why they had confidence. But listen to this in verse 18. But even if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image you have set up. Get this now. They said, even if God doesn't rescue us from your hand or the furnace, we still will not bow. That's a different kind of courage. It's one thing to be courageous when we're confident we will be rescued. It's another thing to be courageous when we don't know. And we stand for our faith anyway. How are you doing with the stuff that's not going as you expected it to go? How do you respond when, in your opinion, God hasn't come through? Are you able to say, like the three Hebrew children, okay, Lord, even if not, I'm not going to bow to an idol. Even if not, I'm still going to stand for my faith. Even if not, I trust you. That's difficult. That's powerful. That is faith. Even if what we need to strive for is to be even if followers of Christ. Even if it doesn't go as we expected. Even if it doesn't come through the way we had planned, hoped, or been promised by others. Now, it's not a matter of wishing for bad things. It's not a matter of hoping to, have, to be a martyr or having a martyr syndrome. It's a matter of saying, God, following you matters more than anything else. It matters more than what everyone else thinks. It matters more than what I get or don't get. That's called even if faith. So let's look at these lessons we can learn from the three Hebrew children. First, we learn that they were not where they planned to be. They were following him. They were obedient, even though they weren't where they planned to be. They had been taken captive. An amazing thing. Daniel had been taken captive. Joseph was sold by his brothers into slavery. Now, I know some of you were threatened by a brother or sister when you were growing up that they were going to sell you. Hey, if there was more than one kid, it happened. 
But Joseph had it actually happen. We've had nightmares before about being taken and put in a different place. It happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were not where they planned to be. And yet, they lived their faith anyway. This isn't what I thought, but I'm going to live for you anyway. This isn't what I had planned, but I'm going to live for you anyway. I remember one of those moments, teaching school, coaching, loving every moment of it, witnessing for Christ being an ambassador for him. And then he said, okay, I want you to move from here and be a pastor. See, I, I, I'm a preacher's kid. I, I already knew what that was. I had already said no. When just saying no didn't work, then I said, Lord, but you need me here. Public school, you need... Christian teachers and coaches here. That's true. He said, yeah, and I've got some others. I have something else for you. What do you do when things don't go according to your plan? You see, the key is your plan. There's a lot less headache and a lot less heartache if we'll make sure we know what his plan is. For you see, when we know it's his plan, it's so much easier to endure. So start there. Make sure what you're doing is his plan. Second lesson we can learn is that they were faced with compromising choices. They were ordered to bow down and worship an image, an idol, someone other than God. They were facing a compromise. Do that and live, or don't do that and die. Now, you, on first blush, you go, well, that's not a compromise. I mean, I want to live. I think that's what they thought, too. And it's easy, isn't it, to so often rationalize. Notice that this had already happened. And in verse 12, when the tattletales came, came and told the king, the reason they could say that is because the band had already played and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't bow when everybody else did. Talk about standing out in a crowd. <laughs> They're in this crowd of people. Everybody else bowed. They're standing up. Kind of obvious. They were given a second chance. The king said, okay, I'm not happy about this, but if you'll bow down now, verse 15, he said, it'll all be well and good. But if you don't, not so good. They were facing compromising choices wouldn't it have been okay? I mean, they had already made their statement. Everybody had already seen them standing. Everybody had already heard that they worshiped a different God. Wouldn't at that moment it have been okay if they would have bowed on the second verse? I mean, they stood for the first one. Wouldn't that have been an easy rationalization? I think it would have been. They know where I stand as I bow. 
Everybody will remember this. I made my statement. Now I'll go alone. Now we have to recognize what's a compromise and what's not. A compromise is to go against God's word and his will. Not to go against my desire. Or yours. It's to go against God's desire. They were faced with compromising choices. But they did not compromise. They continued in their faith. They continued to literally stand strong for what they believed. We also learned that they faced threats. We face threats today. All kinds of threats. Some to our faith. Some just to our well-being. Now most of our threats are somewhat self-induced. We put ourselves in lousy situations by choices we've made. However, it seems to me that it is getting closer and closer to where there are those trying to force us into some of those. There are already nations all around the world where those who follow Christ face that on a daily basis. But don't relax and think just because we right now have the freedom, it will always be so. What are you going to do when it's not that way? We have to make the decision now. You see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had already decided before the threat came what they were going to do when they were threatened. If you're not going to decide until the threat comes, it's too late. You have to decide before the offer of compromise has come or you'll compromise. The time to address it is now. They recognized that. They had already decided what they would do. I mean, verse 15, the threats were real. Nebuchadnezzar said, if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Notice he doubled up on it. It wasn't just a furnace. It wasn't just burning. It was a burning, fiery furnace. Not only that, you can see later if you read the rest of the chapter, that when they didn't bow, spoiler alert, the king was so ticked off he ordered the furnace to be heated up seven times hotter than it was. And they still said no. They were facing threats. Threats to their health. I don't know about you, but I think that I would feel my health was threatened if I was about to be thrown into a furnace. Even if it wasn't a burning, fiery furnace. Just a furnace, period. Throw me into a cold furnace. That's going to threaten my health. It was going to threaten their livelihood. They were in positions of authority. By not bowing, they had already put at risk their jobs. Have you thought about that? Even before they made their statement, they had already put their jobs at risk. Their livelihood. What would you do for your faith? If you were told, compromise your faith or lose your job. 
Ah, there's more jobs. What if there weren't? The threat to their health, the threat to their livelihood, and literally the threat to their life. It's easy to be courageous in my recliner. It's easy to be courageous since sitting in the air conditioning. <laughs> but what about when the heat gets turned up? What about when we're in the midst of the battle? But even in the face of those threats, as devastating as they must have been, they did not yield to the threats. Now, we also need to take note that quite often things we face that we feel are threats are actually false. There are a lot of things that are threatened but not followed through. Not all threats are a promise. But we have to decide before it's even a threat what we're going to do. If we're going to stand for what we believe or bow to the pressure, the threat, and the idol. I'm not sure in the history of our country there's ever been a time when we needed those who claim to be followers of Christ to stand for their faith. Not legalistically blasting everybody who doesn't agree with us, but in the strength of Christ's love and grace to stand firm even if everybody else bows. To stand firm even if we're threatened with things we cannot imagine. Even if we can feel the heat. We also learn from the Hebrew children that they stood firm when they were threatened. How we realize this and you know, to stand firm when we're threatened is a powerful thing. One of you put up on Facebook this week a, a quote attributed to Abraham Lincoln. I, as a kid, was enamored with anything to do with Abraham Lincoln. I got all kinds of books in my library, some old historical books, some not so old. But I was enamored by somebody who stood up to what he stood up to and took the risks that he took and lost his life because of it. But the quote that Penny put up is, put your feet in the right place, then stand firm. You see, it's important to stand, but it's more important to stand in the right place. <laughs> it's important to stand, but it's more important to stand for the right thing. You've heard before, haven't you, that the teacher talking to the second grade class, trying to encourage them and challenge them in their learning and not to, not to believe what they might have heard from some other people that they couldn't do things and they weren't smart enough, etc. And he said, you guys are smart enough. You guys are good enough. I believe in you. Anybody who thinks they're an idiot, anybody who thinks you're dumb, stand up. And after a little while, one boy stood up. I like to think his name was Dennis, but we don't know. <laughs> and the teacher goes, Dennis, do you think you're dumb? I said, no, ma'am. 
but I just hated to see you standing by yourself. <laughs> it's important to stand. It's more important to stand for the right stuff in the right place. Where are you standing? You see, they stood firm when threatened. They also shared their faith. Verse 12, they had already not bowed, and that's why the tattletales came. Verse 16, 17, and 18, they stood to the king and said, we're not going to bow. We respect you. You're the king. We realize that, but we're not going to bow. We believe God will deliver us from this furnace and from you, but even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow. They stood firm in their faith. <laughs> and they shared their faith boldly. Now, I've always wondered if their voice cracked when they first started the sentence. <laughs> you know, when they first said, Oh, king. <laughs> I have a feeling it didn't. I think mine would have. And they shared. That's about as bold as it gets because it was literally on threat of death. Even when the heat was on, they shared their faith and they shared it boldly. And Lord, forgive us for how many times we have a chance to share our faith and we don't just because we're afraid somebody's going to say no thank you, let alone throw us in the furnace. We're to share our faith. By how we live and by what we say. Now we love that quote that says, you know, always share your faith and if necessary use words. And many of us use that as our reason that we don't share publicly or verbally. The problem is, it says if necessary use words and in most of our cases it's necessary. To use some word. I don't know what to say. Say something. Jesus loves me. This I know. <laughs> For the Bible tells me so. Jesus loves all of us. No matter our color, race, background, or bank account. Say something about why you believe what you claim to believe. And lastly, look at this. The three Hebrew children, they weren't where they wanted to be or expected to be. They faced compromise. They were threatened literally with their life. They stood firm. They shared their faith. And they had no guarantee of safety. Several years ago, with some stuff that had happened, that Jody and I were facing and you know, it's kind of like, this kind of stuff isn't supposed to happen. We're trying to do what we're supposed to do. And then I was just overwhelmed with the realization. I hadn't been guaranteed safety. I hadn't been guaranteed comfort. I hadn't been guaranteed things would go the way I wanted them to go. I had been guaranteed that God would never fail me. I had been guaranteed that God loves me. 
I had been guaranteed that he forgives me, that his grace is sufficient, and it's amazing, but I had not been guaranteed my own safety or even the safety of my children and grandchildren. Interesting that that realization came about eight years ago because it was eight years ago today that my son and daughter-in-law and five of my grandkids got on a plane and flew to Africa. Not for a trip, but to live and serve. I've shared before that we've gotten asked often, how could you do that? How could you let them? First of all, give me a break. They were adults. I'm going to stop them. But more importantly, I knew they were doing what God asked them to do. And I knew that if they were doing that, that was the best place for them to be. Were there risks? Yep. But as my daughter-in-law said so wonderfully, if we lose our life, what a way to go. Have they faced those threats? Periodically, not all the time. And they'll tell you it's worth it. Why? Because he's worth it. You see, there is no guarantee of our safety, but they remained true to their faith. They stood up to the heat. They stood up to the king. They stood up to the peer pressure. They stood up to the compromises. And said, but even if he doesn't change this circumstance, I'm going to follow him. Most of us are not going to be threatened with loss of life. But we are going to have threats to our faith. And we have to decide whether or not we're going to stand and say, even if this doesn't go the way I want it to, I'm still going to serve you. I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to share about you with others. Let me ask you this morning. What is your even if situation right now? What is it you're facing that isn't as you expected? That is threatening your plan? That has already put you in a compromising position? What is your situation and what are you choosing to do in it? Will you stand? Will you surrender it to him and allow him to choose what happens next? Even if it doesn't go according to plan. Please stand. I realize that for many of us, thinking of being threatened because of our faith in almost any way is just a foreign object. It's a nice Bible story. But we do face those threats all the time. The threat to our faith, if not our physical well-being. The threat to our faith, if not where we live or our position or status. We have to decide 
if we'll stand for him or bow to something else. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to look in your word and learn from three heroes of the faith. Three heroes who, when the heat was on, did not bow down. Three heroes who, even with the threats, did not compromise. Oh, Lord, help me to live so much more like them. To be willing to say, even if it doesn't go my way, Lord, I won't bow down. Even if it doesn't go as I planned and I hoped and I dreamed and I prayed, Lord, I trust you. Give us that courage. Give us the courage to repent of those moments we haven't done that. And may we encourage each other to have the strength needed to stand for what we believe and to follow you wherever, whenever, and however. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.